everybody. Welcome back to the Tipsy Ghosts. We are your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hey, guys. Hi. Oh. I don't, I don't know what just happened to my voice there, but hey. hey guys. <laughs> I don't, How are you, Lindsay? <laughs> a little, little husk there in my voice. <laughs> husk? Listen, that's, we're here for it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> my voice does weird things sometimes. I'm so sorry. I kind of liked it. It's oh, well, thank you. <laughs> How are you guys? I am good. How are you guys? I'm okay. Oh, okay. Just okay. Okay, great. Well, you know, I cool, think cool, at this cool, point cool. in time, I'm we're really just surviving. <laughs> yes. Same. <laughs> Same. So I'm just okay also. Mm-hmm. Um, funny story. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, this morning, so we've just been living in an okay world at my house. Things are great. We're just like getting by, uh-huh. right? But today was a little bit rougher at drop-off time at school. Oh, no. Um, Which is fine. Whatever. I can handle it. But what I was not prepared for was actually getting out of the car. So um, I was in my pajamas and had to not only... <laughs> like bargain with my elementary school child to get out of the car mm-hmm. for a good 20 minutes so everybody in the front office got to see me in your gym jams in my gym jams <laughs> um i got to escort him in and then he insisted that i stay in there which of course i'm gonna do but i look ridiculous <laughs> you're like can i go home and shower first <laughs> and then it turned into a full-on meeting like i was in there for like 45 minutes in oh my, my jammies <laughs> were you Who wearing you a bra with? um his teacher and a couple of other people just to make sure that things went okay today uh-huh. it was just a different kind of a day for him which is fine i'm totally there to support him and it was all about him but right yeah um at the last minute i threw on a bra okay. so, oh good job hmm, it pays to put on a bra and wear matching jammies. <laughs> At least your jammies were matching. They were kind of cute, actually. <laughs> they were probably like... Was it like cats drinking coffee or... I'm going to be honest. They were... I don't know how I pulled this off. Like, it was just luck of the draw. But they were both matching dark gray jammies. <laughs> they didn't have patterns on them. Okay, good. So, so they were adult jammies. <laughs> they were adult jammies. And I had, like, you know, joggers on. So it looked like... I meant, I meant for that to happen. I'm hip. I'm cool. Hang on. I'm just impressed with you for having. Let me jammies. guess. Did you apologize to them for being there in your pajamas? Eight thousand times. Of course you did. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I thought that I was just dropping him off. Oh, that's exactly what <laughs> yes. happened. I know you probably didn't notice, but I'm wearing my pajamas. <laughs> Zach, you can tell but Jesus. <laughs> and imagine what. The, tell me what their response was. Oh, we oh I had care. no idea. Didn't even notice. Yeah. I brought it up. Didn't even notice. <laughs> Nailed they were it. Being nice. <laughs> oh, oh, of course they noticed. <laughs> they noticed. <laughs> they probably noticed that giant bald spot in the back of my head because I. <laughs> what? You know when you sleep? I sleep on my back. Okay. Okay. And we know uh, you sleep like a vampire. Yes, I do. <laughs> this was like day two or three. I don't know hair, and uh, mm, it just splits real beautifully in the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of greasy. It's it's a real cute look. I didn't even think about that till I went to the conference room. That's when I started feeling like a little, oh, my God. No, oh, we're doing this. This isn't real quick. I probably had to tell. And it, again, it wasn't bad. It was like all great. It was perfect and wonderful. But um, <laughs> I was unprepared. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> meeting. <laughs> I had a bald spot in the back of my head. I'm like, oh, my God. My hair was split. Oh, my gosh. That does not happen to you guys, I take it. I don't have Mm. bald spots, now. My hair is very thick. I have very thick hair. That's what I was going to say. Thank you both. (laughs) (laughs) My hair doesn't lay flat. I look like the Crypt Keeper. (laughs) You do not. I'm impressed you have matching jammies because I sleep in, like, my husband's old t-shirts, and that's it. But you wouldn't probably drop your kids I would. This is what I do do when I pick up. (laughs) Do-do-do. (laughs) <laughs> when I pick them up from daycare, because I wake up and then I go get them, I wear athletic shorts and just whatever shirt I find, mm-hmm. which this week was a tank top, like one of those like athletic tank tops. Right. And I pick them up and I get in the car and as soon as like I'm waiting on them to buckle and my four-year-old goes, 
mom why are you naked no mm-hmm. and i said what <laughs> and i kind of like laughed because like my window was down and parents are walking by i said what are you talking <laughs> about like, you wouldn't do that it's just me no i had apologized to I was strangers. Like, what are you talking about and she goes i can see your shoulders <laughs> God. And I said, uh, when did she become so conservative? I, I said, that's because mommy's wearing a tank top. It's hot outside. And she goes, but where's your real shirt? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, excuse you, Judgy McJudgerson, can you not? <laughs> the next day I wore just like a t-shirt to pick her up. And she goes, yay, mom, you wore a real shirt. And I was like, what? <laughs> Mom's not being a slut today. <laughs> How could you? <laughs> Telling everyone, why is my mom naked? I'm like, excuse you. My mom picks us up naked. <laughs> she already told everyone at daycare when they talked about what do mommy and daddy do for jobs. She said, mommy sleeps all day and daddy works in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Aww. Which my husband has been working from home since COVID hit and I do sleep during the day. <laughs> but still. <laughs> He's, they're right. But also, it sounds weird. Her teacher told me that and I was like. I work night shift. She goes, no, 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 it's fine. It's okay. And I was like, I don't drop them off here just so I can sleep all day. <laughs> if you did, nobody's judging. I, I would. Let's be honest. <laughs> so, yes, four-year-old's kids. Good just, times. Yeah. They're, they're fun times. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The things that she says. You know what? Um, that was my lesson learned. Um, be ready to... Be ready for anything. Hop out of the car. Not like I'm going to be ready for, for prom... In my prom gear. I well, it's kind of like that saying. It's like, know, right? always wear clean underwear because you never know what's going to happen. Like, always don't wear your pajamas <laughs> to drop your kid off. <laughs> I should know better by mm-hmm. now, but here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Full disclosure, I don't even wear shoes sometimes when I pick the kids up from school. Mm-hmm. Um, don't Isn't do that. that. illegal? It is illegal. Um, You're right I do it if I'm not getting out of the car. So, like, the big kids. <laughs> but how do you know? <laughs> What? Lindsay, take what it if from you me? need to have a conference? I... An impromptu conference. That's fun. Don't wear shoes when I drive, period. So I take my shoes off. What if you get in an accident? <laughs> this is like a random thing about me. I hate driving with shoes on. So I take my shoes off as soon as I get in the car and I drive barefoot. That is illegal. I know it's illegal. You rule breaker. I have done it since I was 16 years and old. And you show your shoulders. I know. How could you? I know. I'm the terrible person. Mm-hmm. If there are other people in the car, like besides my family, I will keep my shoes on because I don't want people to think I'm weird. But like, if I'm just wearing flip flops, oh, I don't care who's in the car. I take my shoes off and I just drive with my bare foot. So, um, one more thing before we move on. I've heard <laughs> Beckett telling his teachers, my mom's part of a podcast. <laughs> Oh, he's just like me. I'm sure he says something like that too. He does. He's like, my mom's part of a podcast. Podcast is a tipsy ghost. Have you heard of it? Every time they're like, no, and he's like, they're they're pretty popular. Oh, um, yes, <laughs> I love him so much. He's our biggest hype man. But also, I'm like, not at school. Man. I know. Not yeah. at school. <laughs> my teen wanted to take my cup, the pink cup you got us. I know. Um, to school for her water cup, and I was like, sure. And I go, actually, no, it's got a wine glass on the. Yeah, front. I don't want to call from the principal. I know. In the, I, I know it's gonna be fine. But also, I'm like, is it? Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine. Yeah. Anyways, I thought that was cute. They're not allowed to wear like beer logos on their shirts, so I don't know what they'd say about a water I cup. Know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to get that call. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, we are. Anyhow, <laughs> what are we going to talk about tonight? True crime. Boydson. I pretended. I, I faked Sarah you out. Did. She took a breath <laughs> You were ready. Wait, why? Why'd you fake out? Why? Are my feelings? Why do you hate us? Oh, okay. Um, no, we're not doing it again. I wasn't going to ask. Okay. Wow. Why do you hate us? <laughs> she was drinking. Now she stopped. So she she's over it all. <laughs> now I'm fine. I, I, it's just fun to mess with you guys. So how was that? Fun. I enjoyed it until yeah, you guys came at me. It was fun for her, not for us. Oh, I thought we did a great job. I Honestly, it sounded a lot better without me. So <laughs> <laughs> We were both very high pitched. Yes, we, we were, were somewhere else. Because I here. thought there was going to be a third bottom note, but there wasn't. Do you want me to be the bottom note? <laughs> Don't you always want to be the bottom <laughs> note? Sometimes I try, it doesn't work out. <laughs> I like it. So, yes, we are all doing true crime. And I think, did we all stay in America? 
Yes, we did. I couldn't remember. We did. I couldn't remember. I knew one of us did. I couldn't remember the third one. Let's spin the wheel to see who goes first. Um, okay. <laughs> I heard about some. Please hold. It's like um, a voice and fluctuation that's well known among podcasting. Uh oh. Oh, is it called vocal vocal, vocal fry? fry? Yeah. Yes. What is? I don't know this. Please, please tell her. Uh, it's like that, that but it's uh, vocal fry and the, uh, the inflection. Uh, yes. It, uh, it's like the uh, and the. <laughs> it's where you get kind of lazy with your voice. You okay. get like out of breath, and then it turns into uh, like monotone. I feel like I did we a all, great. We example. all do it. We all do it constantly. So I, I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm supposed to be adding inflections into my voice to make it. But sound. not too much. Not too much, Lens. We got to be great. It's like a natural conversation. If you can just always have kind of your, your palate raised while you're talking, then it'll never happen. <laughs> I, I do vocal fry constantly. That is like my fade out. Like, <laughs> and I think I'm being funny, but it's actually super annoying in my own ears. Anyhow, that's how they grade podcasting is by vo- vocal fry. I've never heard and of this. We I get just a, learned. an A for vocal fry, which is a, a <laughs> F for podcasting. <laughs> yes. Oh, damn it. Well, thanks for <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. Appreciate it. No, I learned that this week because I have a friend who does podcasting and they got their first one star review about vocal fry. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember what's the other name for the like Valley Girl, like uh, uh, at the end. Don't remember. Oh man, it's like uptick or something like that. So that's bad. But yeah, now I'm constantly aware of it. Mm-hmm. Damn it! Okay. Just did it. I know. Oh, I mean, that's how we talk. That's how that's I talk. Problem. Constantly. <gasps> I don't know. I think you know what's best is to just it be yourself. Natural. That's how I talk in real life. Be yeah. yourself, and if somebody doesn't like it, then they don't have to listen. I have vocal fry to my patients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's just how I am. I'm weird and awkward, and that's my fade out. Especially if I'm being sassy, mm-hmm. like I love sassy Boydston. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so I have a surprise for you. <gasps> oh, that reminds me. I've got a surprise for you guys too. <gasps> that reminds me. I do not have a surprise for okay, you. Okay, you tell me first. Lindsay I don't want to. I don't. Make... doesn't care about us. Oh my I don't want to make this intro eight million years. But I, I've been waiting for this moment. I do remember week. you texting saying yes. you had a surprise. Okay, Boydston. Um, well, this is gonna be kind of a, Mine's a downer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Stop. I want to know. Okay. Uh, so remember how we lost our spinner because we can't do internet and yes. stuff? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I had the bright idea that I can pull up the same bookmark just on my phone uh-huh. so we can have our spinner back. <gasps> oh, Yay. so we don't have to make the sound effects? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on. I did enjoy that though. It okay. was a very messed up spinner. For my surprise, you. You're both going to have to close your eyes. Okay, wait. Keep closing. Keep they are closing. closed. I can't close anymore. Give me your, give me your, wait. The what? Box, the boxes are squished slightly. I hate this game of hold out your hand with your eyes yeah. closed. It's a box. Is it a dick? Yes. <laughs> it's a dick in a box. Okay, dick sorry. in a box. Let's see, yours is especially squished. I can't reach you, but it's reach harder. Nope, <laughs> wrong direction. There you go. <laughs> Do I open the box closed? One, two, three. Open. Eyes open. I bought you something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it is tiny hands that you put up your sleeves. Oh my gosh. Where did you? Amazon. <laughs> of course. She's got one for herself too. Well, absolutely. I can't just get one for both of you guys and not me. So I wanted to make it a rule this I'm so podcast. I wore a long sleeve shirt today. I don't know. Poison's <laughs> got a short sleeve as she's pulling her arms in. Look at your long sleeve jacket. That's going to be real hard. <laughs> Can we please take a picture with these? I'm so excited. That's why I bought them. I thought they were amazing. <laughs> uh, we're not going to be able to tell our true crime story seriously. That was my tiny Is hand hitting the mic. <laughs> Lift them up in praise. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Stomp mm-hmm. on the devil. Two times, let's stomp. <laughs> <laughs> you see why? I can't. I can't. Wait. Where's Lizzie? Are you playing peekaboo? With yourself? <laughs> what a 
weirdo. <laughs> They do, they do cover your eyes so just perfect. We all have tiny hands. I don't think you can call What's me a weirdo. Your... What are you doing? I'm cupping myself. <laughs> Ooh, that, that weird. Oh my that gosh, there's so much fun to be had with these, you guys. I hope you like your tiny hands. I love them so much. Thank you so much for my tiny hands. <laughs> I cannot wait to give them to you. Oh, I love them so much. I can't wait to make our TikToks with them. I That's know. really, you know why I wanted it. Oh, yes. I know exactly now why. <laughs> All right. Anyhow, let's get back to the spin the wo- roll the wheel. Spin the roll the wheel. That's a hard thing to say. Okay. You didn't have the sound on. <laughs> Who is it? I cannot see. Oh, it's Sarah. Sarah! Awesome. It's me! I could tell it wasn't me, but I couldn't tell. You didn't get the yay! but yeah i couldn't tell where the Here poker are. was all right i'm gonna tell you guys the story about scott for later okay what all about right. now <laughs> i'm not gonna <laughs> you say scott for later <laughs> scott for now <laughs> okay gotcha i was like what? he's for later <laughs> all right you didn't and like my joke scott for <laughs> Uh, I had to listen to that, too, because I wanted to make sure I pronounced it right, but it's Scott Felater. So, Scott was born in Chicago, and he met uh, Yarmala in high school. She ended up being the only person he ever dated. This is kind of like a real brief background on him, because the real story is about his trial. They both were Catholic, but eventually converted to Mormonism, and they eventually had two children named Megan and Michael. They moved to Phoenix, Arizona because of his job, and they were heavily involved in the Latter-day Saints community. I had to read my own handwriting. Handwriting. (laughs) Typing. It's not written. I was like, your your computer, (laughs) you hand-wrote on your computer? It's a thing I do. (laughs) I like to write on there, okay? Uh, So Scott worked for the Motorola Company, which was a very popular thing in the 90s. The Razor Phones. Yes. Mm -hmm, I had one. And I wrote, think flip phones and Razor Phones. Yep. The children described their marriage and the house as a very loving home. And Yarmula's friends described that she never had complained of anything going wrong in their marriage ever. Interesting. Foreshadowing. Right. Yeah. Because marriage is perfect. Sure. On January 16th, 1977, it was a normal day, so to speak. Scott was preparing for his religious work. So he got up every morning, like at six o'clock in the morning and would go do teachings before his job at the Motorola company. Okay. Um, So that night, his wife asked him to work on the pool pump so that it wouldn't turn green. Um, And around 930, he couldn't fix it. So he decided to give up and go to bed. He kissed his wife. Uh, She was asleep on the couch and he headed to bed. Around 10 or 1030, the neighbors heard a moaning sound coming from outside. So they looked out the back window and then they see Yamala's body. So initially the neighbors thought um, somebody was passed out just laying there on the ground. But then they saw Scott come outside and drag the body by the arms above her head. And then they rolled her into the pool um, and then they can see scott holding her head under the water pretty like you know damning evidence right it's pretty then. descriptive yeah so the police arrived and they went to the backyard but they couldn't find scott initially so they see this body floating in the water and they notice that the water is light pink tinged which is never a good sign blood yeah right so they see scott standing at the top of the stairs when they go inside and he's standing in a crisp white t-shirt and clean pajama pants Uh, he seemed confused and he was asking the police why they were in the house and he told police that there were four people in the house he said it was him and his wife and his two children Mm mm-hmm But the police knew that there was already somebody in the pool that was dead, so that probably wasn't the case. At this time, when they came into the house, both children were asleep in their bed, and the cops showed up in their bedroom to tell them to leave the house. So Scott was taken into custody, and they did a very, very short interview with him. It was very bizarre. Um, He says continuously through the interview that he is confused. He doesn't seem to understand what happened. 
to his wife, and he does not understand that he was responsible for the situation. The police tell him that the neighbors watched him do it, and his response the whole time was, Jeesh. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. So normally have people like... Jeesh and oh, gosh. Okay. Well, I mean... Yes. Mormon. Okay. Right. But normally you have people saying like, it was not me. I wasn't there. And his response was, oh, jeez. Oh, oh gosh. gosh. Oh, man. That's funny. <laughs> I like how you kind of said it with a Canadian accent. I'm not sure where that came from, but I'm digging it. I don't know. It's my actor. <laughs> it's your Mormon accent. I'm really good. Hire me. Um, so he said multiple times, I just don't remember doing anything. Um, he never really denied anything. And he also did not make uh, eye contact with any of the investigators while they were talking to him. So the investigators, they don't see any blood on his, again, bright white t-shirt. You would probably notice anything on there, but they did notice blood on his neck, like dried blood up by his ears, behind his ears. Mm. And uh, when they questioned him, he said, I, oh, I didn't even know that was there. They also noticed a Band-Aid on his hand that was covering a small cut. And when they asked him about it, his response again was, I don't remember putting it there. You can see where this is going. So 1999, this is two years later, a trial started for Scott. And it was revealed that Yarmala had 44 stab wounds. Mm. And... Um, according to the autopsy report, he had held her with his left hand over her mouth, reached around her with his right arm and stabbed her mostly in the chest, neck and hands because there were defensive wounds there. Uh, the neighbor testified that he saw a body on the ground and thought that she was drunk. Like I mentioned earlier, he also said that he did not see the initial attack when she was stabbed. And he also could see lights going off and on in the house and could see Scott through the bedroom windows. So the prosecution felt like they had pretty much an open and shut case with this situation because they had an eyewitness and, you know, we have somebody who obviously was there. Uh, But Scott's mom and sister felt that he was not, quote unquote, crazy. Right. And that there was obviously a reason that he acted out the way he did. Yeah. Uh, So they began, they began to remember certain things that happened when he was younger, when he was a child, and they remembered that he used to sleepwalk. Okay. It's very convenient. Isn't that? So they started telling stories of when he showed up in the middle of the night saying that he was ready for school, but he was butt naked when he was in high school. It's like everybody's dream is that he showed up to school naked. (laughs) Scott apparently did that in the middle of the night in high school. He was in the the kitchen ready to go to school, and his mom's like, no, you're not. You're not this going isn't happening. Um, and his sister recalled a story of when, like, he was in his 20s, so mm-hmm. she was a little bit younger than him. But she, he was sleepwalking, and she tried to wake him up, okay? He became very angry and picked her up and threw her across the kitchen. Jeez. Um, she claimed that before this, he was never aggressive with her. And that at the time, he was under quite a bit of stress, um, because he was getting ready to get married. He was going through a lot of life changes. And he, of course, does not remember anything that happened. They started putting things together and realized that um, at the time when he attacked his wife, of course, he was under quite a bit of stress also. Um, it was obviously stressful at his work in the 90s with the Motorola thing. Things were up and down. Mm, sure. And he was basically living in a pressure cooker um, so the defense then took on the approach that Scott Flater murdered his wife in his sleep while he was sleepwalking. <clears throat> that was their biggest argument. Has that ever even happened before? Funny you should ask. Okay. It's something known as homicidal sleepwalking. It's <laughs> and a thing. apparently it's a thing. That's exactly what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Uh, okay. So as you can imagine, this is something that is well disputed. And sure. often not well uh, received right. in the in the courts. So there have been about 69 documented cases of homicidal sleepwalking. It's more than I would have thought. Same. Uh, there's one very famous one. We can get into that a different time. But I think they were following in the footsteps of this one. So sleepwalking experts say that uh, sleepwalking occurs during slow wave sleep mm-hmm. and the brain gets stuck between a sleep and awake state and Scott completed a sleep study and the results were inconclusive. 
Two experts in violence during sleeps walking. That's a mouthful. It's a thing too, okay. Yeah. <laughs> they were called at the stand and they gave some pretty convincing evidence and information that might persuade people to believe this. Um, the defense said that he was stressed and he went to bed. He began sleepwalking walking again and he tried to fix the pool pump again. Remember, that's what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. They said that Yarmula tried li- try- likely tried to wake him up, and this disturbed him during yeah. his sleep. You don't wake a sleepwalker. Right. So he saw her as a threat, and he began attacking, is what they're claiming. Prosecutors, they did not buy the sleepwalking defense. Sure. They reveal everything that was found during their search during and after the murder. Um, this included a black plastic trash bag that was filled with a large Tupperware container. The Tupperware container um, had a bloody knife and the bloody clothes that he wore, obviously, during the murder. So this was confusing, right? Because Scott showed organized and disorganized thinking. So he let the body floating. He mm-hmm. left it there in the water, which was the disorganized piece. But he also cleaned up after himself and put everything in a Tupperware container, which when they say you're sleepwalking, you don't do both. Yeah. So... So the prosecution had their own sleep expert, and he claimed that there's no way that Scott did this in his sleep because there was a second act of violence, meaning Scott stabbed her first, then he went back into the house, then he came back out, and then drug her to the pool, and then drowned her. So most of the jury members said that they um, could have believed that he was sleepwalking during the first attack, but they didn't buy it because of the second attack that right. was done. because she didn't do anything to antagonize him the second time. Right, and if you do claim for it to be sleepwalking, it's usually just one and there's nothing for them to hide. And um, why would they come back out? Yeah. And why would they know enough to come back out and repeat it again? Right. So eventually Scott was found guilty of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So currently he's serving his life sentence in an Arizona prison. Mm. Wow. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. I, I think that it's always interesting how creative defense teams get with right their angle. Yeah. It's interesting if you watch um, interviews with him. Like, he's very unassuming, pretty small dude like Mm -hmm. you would never think that he's gonna attack his wife i I don't know what went down that night (laughs) but you know the neighbors did see some things so it's hard to argue against that right has he stuck with i was sleepwalking this whole time the whole time so he's um been up for clemency maybe but they say that it's unlikely because he's unwilling to admit that anything happened during a wakeful state yeah which he's is really unfortunate. He doesn't remember any of it. Yeah, but you know, supposedly he's been like a great member in the in the jail system. I mean, a lot of people are. That doesn't. It's just very interesting. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm not like, um, you know, saying that it, it, it's fine. That's not what I'm saying at all. Right. But, no, I know. <laughs> it's just interesting to know that he had like zero problems beforehand. Yeah. It was a church going man. Not that that really matters in true crime, but there you go. Sleepwalker. Fascinating. That is crazy. Nice job. Thank you. Shall we spin to go see who goes next? Let's do it. Oh, the sound turned off. No. Onesie? It's me. It's you. It's me. Oh, I was like, I was burping. Sorry. I I didn't make a burp. It's me. It's me. Yay. Okay. I can't tell because there's no sound. I know. I'm so sorry. It's okay. So it's me, and I am also in America. I am going to be in Bay Village, Ohio, which is a small suburb overlooking Lake Erie. I'm going to talk about Marilyn Shepard and her husband, Dr. Sam Shepard. So we're in Bay Village, Ohio in July 1954, specifically the 3rd and the 4th of July. Okay. I like those dates. Same days. They're fun. Marilyn does not. Oh, okay. All right. Let's hear. (laughs) Marilyn Shepard and her husband, Dr. Sam Shepard, who was uh, an osteopath and a neurosurgeon. Osteopath is like holistic. Okay. Um, They lived in a house with their son, Samuel, who they nicknamed Chip. Marilyn was also four months pregnant with their second child. So on July 3rd, they were eating dinner with their neighbors. They were all entertaining like on the back deck because they had this huge house that overlooked the lake. 
They went inside to watch a movie. Dr. Shepard was exhausted from work that day, so he started dozing off, and I guess they had, like, a day bed in the living room. So he fell asleep during the movie. The neighbors left at around midnight, and Marilyn went upstairs to bed on her own. She left the bedside light on in case Sam woke up and came to bed, which, whenever he was working late, she would leave the light on for him, and then he would turn it off when he came to bed. So, according to Dr. Shepard, he woke up at about 4 a.m., he reported hearing Marilyn scream his name. So he wakes up, he runs upstairs, and finds a white form, quote, in the room with her. Was it a ghost? No. Okay. So he a fought. Form meaning like mist? Like he just saw white. Okay. Like in his gotcha. body. So he fought with this white form before he was struck on the back of his head and knocked unconscious. Okay. When he came to, he heard noises downstairs. So he ran downstairs and discovered a bushy-haired man running away from the house. So he pursued the man into the lawn. They struggled and fought again, and again he was knocked unconscious. <laughs> All right, so he wakes up for the second time, and the man is gone. He runs inside and does what everyone does. He checks on his son first and finds Chip is fast asleep, completely undisturbed, didn't hear a thing. So he goes to his room next and finds Marilyn on the bed, blood pooling from a head wound. She'd been attacked with such force and was hit an estimated of 27 to 35 times. And it was so bad that the bones below her eye and her mouth were completely detached from her face. Her nose was broken. Her two front teeth were missing and a nail on her finger had been torn off. So she had some pretty defensive wounds. Um, her pajama top was lifted up and her underwear was off and dangling from her right leg. And the walls were splattered with blood. Eey. So, of course, this made headlines right away. It's a pretty well-to-do, upper-class family with a seemingly perfect life sure. in the suburb. So, it was, like, national news. Mm -hmm. A neighbor, Leo Stowicki. Probably saying that wrong. Sorry. I think it sounds good. <laughs> okay, thanks. Stowicki. Wiki, wiki, what? Con he Sorry. contacted police almost immediately to inform them that he had spotted a strange man near their home in the early hours of the day. So, he was coming back from a fishing trip at about 2.30 a.m., and saw a tall, bushy-haired man wearing a white shirt in front of their house. Two more witnesses, Richard and Betty Knitter, testify that they also saw a bushy-haired man outside the Shepherd home at around 3 a.m. He had a terrified look on his face, said Richard. And so, just to kind of let you know, they're all saying this bushy-haired man. Dr. Sam Shepherd is, like, very clean-cut, clean-shaven, okay. not okay. bushy-haired at all. I mean, like what you would kind of think a surgeon would look like, very... Okay. Tidy, well-kept. I don't know how <laughs> sure, else to sure, say sure. that. All right. <laughs> I'm with you. So despite these witnesses and Dr. Shepard's account, the police said, nope, it's the husband, and arrested him two weeks later. Mm. It's always the husband. Mm-hmm. It's always the husband. It usually is. So the trial of the decade began. It was such a sensational trial that it has been called the O.J. Simpson of the 1950s. <gasps> we... How do you call it? Like, looking back like a now. a prequel? <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, saying, like, this is how famous it was. Like, okay. it was widely publicized and everybody was watching it. In the future, there's really going to be a trial just <laughs> like this. I was going to say, they should really call O.J. Simpson trial this trial. Yes, yes. the shepherd. <laughs> yes. All right, so I'm we're going to talk about the defense and the prosecution and kind of what made him look guilty, what made him look innocent. So what made him look guilty besides the fact that it's always the husband? Yep. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. always. The family dog remained silent throughout the entire ordeal. Did you say the family dog? Yes. Remained silent throughout the entire ordeal. Like he ordeal. didn't tell anybody's story? Like he wasn't awake and trying to attack. You better tell me. <laughs> <laughs> tell me the truth. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. <laughs> That's what I picture. Like the dog was not barking. Get out of you. <laughs> The dog was not barking at any intruder. They fought in his room. She oh, okay. had defensive fights. The dog's fights. room? Yes, the dog's room. Okay. So the dog was not barking. The dog was not growling. The he dog... remained silent. Yeah. <laughs> remained silent. Throughout the whole thing. <laughs> Makes sense. you look bad. It, it's just what she said. <laughs> um, Makes so much sense. Chip's <laughs> bedroom was right next door, like literally right next door, and he was asleep the whole time and did not wake up once. Okay. Even though... Marilyn screamed her husband's name, and he heard her all the way downstairs out of a dead sleep and then fought with him, but the son next door didn't hear her screaming. Hmm. A little fishy. He um, was a deep sleeper. Didn't know. So was a dog. He, there <laughs> <Apparently>. was <laughs> no signs of forced entry inside the home. 
Okay. Which is also not a good sign ever. He initially denied it, but it came out that he had an extramarital affair. So he was sleeping with a medical tech in his practice named Susan. I was just going to say, was it somebody that he works with? (laughs) It was a medical technician. Yeah. Mm. So she testified his uh, lover. I don't know what else to call her. (laughs) (laughs) Testified that Shepard loved his wife, (laughs) but not as a wife and was thinking of divorcing her. But she was pregnant, so he stayed with her. She was pregnant? She was four months pregnant. Did you say that? Yes. Oh. Heard it the first time. (laughs) Thank you for paying attention. (laughs) So things that make him look innocent. So he proclaimed his innocence from day one. Like, right away, he was like, I didn't do this. That does make him look innocent. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't do it. (laughs) It wasn't me. Jeesh. (laughs) Even the dog believes me. (laughs) Ask the dog. (laughs) That dog won't tell you nothing. (laughs) on my side (laughs) um a doctor concluded and testified that dr shepherd could not have inflicted the wounds that he had on himself so he had a fracture on his vertebrae and swelling at the bottom of his skull from the two confessions a trauma expert dr william fallon described these injuries as almost impossible to self-inflict due to the position and severity what about falling down the stairs i mean i don't know it's possible i mean if you throw yourself down the stairs but can is there i feel like there would be a reflex to where your arms would flail and i feel like you'd just break something he had no but if you're if you're dead weight then you can have injuries like that like if you're trying to make it seem like somebody else did it you could bind your arms Mm -hmm. throw yourself down the stairs i feel like that's pretty risky because could break your neck that way too he did break his neck didn't he he had uh, a fracture of the vertebrae it doesn't yeah. say which one. Oh, okay. Um, it was thought, so remember Marilyn's two front teeth were yeah. missing. They were, I hate this kind of stuff, but were ripped out at the gums. And Aww. they think that she like bit down on her attacker and it was Aww. a self-defense bite. It's awful. Um, and he had no bite mark on him whatsoever. Okay. Other people tried to testify and say that her teeth could have been punched out. But they were like, there was no bone fragments of the teeth left in the mouth or on her lips. Like it looks like they were clean torn out of the gums after a bite. Okay. Um, and there is no evidence that he was ever, like, physically violent in his life. He had no history of abusing his wife, nothing like that either. So, despite all of this, he was convicted of second-degree murder on December 21st, 1954, despite the prosecution's case being all circumstantial. So, fast forward, we're going to go to 1957. A convict, Donald J. Welder, confessed to the murder. Police dismiss this because they're like, hey, we already got our guy. But Shepard's legal team was filing, like, appeal after appeal because he was pretty wealthy, so he had a good legal team. He was finally released after nine years in prison in 1964. On June 6, 1966, I put side note, 666. The Supreme Court overturned the conviction, stating that the media's carnival atmosphere had caused an unfair trial as the jurors and the witnesses were biased by the media. The judge himself, Edward Blythin, admitted to one newspaper columnist that he believed Dr. Shepard was guilty as hell before any evidence had even been presented before the court. And hmm. so they said the judge <laughs> was biased and yeah, failed to protect the jury. <laughs> right, um, right. So because of that, now there are some new laws to protect what reporters can and can't do during a trial, basically. Interesting. To protect bias, yes. So this kind of case paved the way for that. So he got a new trial because of this um, on October 24th, 1966. And a new expert, Dr. Paul Kirk, testified that Marilyn was murdered by a left-handed killer and Shepard was right-handed. So they acquitted him. They did not find him guilty, but they didn't find him innocent either. It was just kind of like a... Like a hung jury? No. They just didn't have the evidence. They didn't have the evidence For or against. Mm Mm-hmm or against so he was basically just a free man but he had served nine years in prison and like i said this was like the an oj simpson trial the entire country believed that he was guilty mm-hmm. yeah um so because of all of this like i said there was laws under which under what now the press can report criminal trials they were all rewritten to prevent this happening again dr shepherd wrote a book that was published in 1966 called endure and conquer my 12-year fight for vindication um, he was banned from practicing medicine again, so, I mean, he kind of didn't really have anything else to do, so he, fun fact, became a professional wrestler called The Killer. 
I think that's a really God. poor choice of name. I agree with that. Oh, boy. I agree with that. I would have thought of a different um, wrestling name than the killer. Yeah, out of anything you mm-hmm. could choose from. Uh-huh. He was called uh, uh, Killer Sam Shepard. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe marketing <laughs> off of his trial a little bit. That's really so. sad. Yeah. So in 2000, um, Samuel Shepard, the son, attempted to clear his father's name. So he always believed his dad was innocent. Dr. Shepard had passed away by this time, but his son wanted him, I can never say this word right, posthumously? Like when they've already died? Yeah. Is that it? Posthumously? So he wanted his son, or he wanted his dad posthumously declared innocent because if he was declared innocent, then Samuel could sue the state for the wrongful conviction. Oh. Um, There was a 10-week trial in the year 2000. 76 witnesses were called. During this trial, the plaintiff attorney, Terry Gilbert, came up with some suspects so here we go all right so richard eberling is the main suspect that was brought up he was the owner of a cleaning service clean the windows was regularly hired by the shepherds to clean their windows he had a history of seizures and they said temper tantrums i would just say rage fits (laughs) he's angry (laughs) well he's having a temper tantrum I mean, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) And he had been caught stealing from the homes that he cleaned, so he did have a record. He was also losing his hair at that time and was wearing wigs and hair pieces. Crip Keeper. Why are you going to call him out like that? (laughs) Because they caught a burly-haired man, remember? Maybe he's wearing a wig. (laughs) A burly wig. He had been convicted in 1989 of killing Ethel Mae Durkin, an elderly widow, as part of a fraudulent scheme to get her will. So like I said... Had a, had a record. He was stealing from the homes. He was arrested for a string of robberies in 1959. And one possession he had was Marilyn's diamond ring. So he claims that he stole it from Dr. Shepard's brother's home, which was in a box that he had, like, with all of her belongings and things left in it. But it's weird that he had an unsolved murder's wedding Sorry. ring. Sorry. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, he said he also had lunch with her two days before the her murder and called her lovely Mm. yeah and reported to the police during this time that he had cut his finger while changing the windows at her home and had dripped blood throughout the house like why would you just randomly tell police that unless he knows that his blood's going to be found there right so in february 1997 because you know we have to wait for dna testing to catch up with the times Mm -hmm. they did some dna testing in the blood and found on the stairs blood that was consistent with Eberling. So they're like, okay, we can maybe explain that away because he said he cut his finger. But they found semen on Marilyn that was his as well. Ah. And she had been raped prior to her murder. So this DNA type was shared by only 5% of the population. Okay. So at that time, the police wanted to pursue him as a suspect. So this is 1997, three trial remembers in 2000 where this is all just getting brought up. But at the time, the county prosecu- prosecutor in the corner considered the case closed, so they didn't pursue him. Even How's it after closed DNA, if it's not solved. It's it's not because they acquitted him. The husband, they were like, oh well, we'll just never know. Well, oh, somebody still needs to be accountable. I know, and they have this DNA testing that came back, that's putting so his sad. blood and his semen there. I know. I put in my notes. I cannot. So a fellow inmate with Everling also said that Everling confessed to him that he had killed Marilyn and that everything about the bushy-haired intruder was true. He allegedly said he went to rob the home, thinking Dr. Shepard was working late and raped her. He killed her when she called out for help because he realized Dr. Shepard was home. But Everling died in jail in 1998 before this trial and never actually confessed to the police. No blood in the house that was found matched Shepard's DNA. And remember, there was, like, defensive marks on her, so... Right. She fought back. There was, on his pants, blood from a third person, so he had her blood, obviously, on his pants. There was blood from another person um, found on his pants, but it has never been identified to this day. Hmm. So, even after all of this, the jury declared that they could not find him posthumously innocent. So, how... You may have answered this earlier, but, like, how long does... Is the blood sample good for... Right, because this was a really long time ago. Right, it was a really long time ago. And by the time, time they ago. were testing, like, how accurate does it... I don't know. Quote, unquote, expire? I don't think so, because <laughs> I, I mean... it just depends on how it's stored. 
Maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. Because we've we've been able to solve lots of cold cases with DNA and from blood. the fifties. I just didn't know how far back it went. I feel like we've been able to solve them that far back. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Another former FBI agent, you know, like I said, this was a really popular case. He believes that um, another felon, Air Force Major James Arlen Call, killed Marilyn during a cross-country crime spree because he had a bite wound on his hand that looked similar to what would have happened. But that's the only thing that links them. Other suspects include the neighbors, Spencer and Esther Hook, because they believed that Spencer and Marilyn were having an affair, and so Esther killed Marilyn in a rage. But the Hooks were deceased at the time of the trial in 2000, so they dismissed them because... Well, they're dead. Yeah, why pursue them when you can't even get their side of the story? I mean, yeah. So, Dr. Shepard, like I said, was believed guilty by the pretty much everybody except his son. (laughs) He was barred from practicing medicine, so he fell into drugs and alcohol and died in 1970 due to liver failure at 46 years old. Oh my gosh. So young. His son said, quote, he died of a broken heart and a spirit that found no solace. Yeah. Any of this sound familiar? Like, maybe something Hollywood got a hold of. Wait, 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 wait for it. Of a doctor who was... I'm sure I have not seen it. <laughs> a doctor who was uh, accused of his wife's murder, but was innocent and was trying to find the killer. Let's think Harrison that Ford. into a professional wrestler? No. I'm stuck on that. Let's think Harrison Ford <laughs> in the 90s. The Fugitive. Oh. Have you ever seen that movie? Probably in the Tommy 90s Lee when it came out. Tommy Lee Jones was the cop hunting him down. No, I have not. Okay. It's very good. If I did, it was in the 90s yeah, when it came out. The Fugitive. My mom was obsessed with Harrison Ford, so I've seen it like 20 million times. <laughs> ah. So The Fugitive is based off of this story. Oh. Um, And like I said, this case is so famous because it led to a Supreme Court decision on the effects of pretrial publicity, but they never proved who killed Marilyn. That's too bad. And they the didn't case try hard enough. It's still unsolved. Aww. And I got this from Unsolved Murders. True Crime Cases Uncovered, my new book that I got for Christmas. I'm pretty sure it's Eberling. That's what I'm willing to bet. I don't think that I like Dr. That. Shepard did it. I wish the dog would have told us. <laughs> if we could just have his opinion. Just yeah. a couple of lines. <laughs> Let us know. Break your silence. Yeah. And also one You thing- might be able to break the case. <laughs> Two woofs for yes. <laughs> Two woofs for yes. <laughs> one thing that was really weird, too, which... Again, this is like the 50s and the 60s. I don't know. But they did not let the prosecution see the evidence the defense had. Hmm. That is strange. Yeah. Because I thought that both sides had to see it. I think that's called discovery. Yeah. So. Maybe not. I don't know. I would not know. I'm going to. I don't have anything to add to that part. (laughs) And another really sad um, part of the story is. Shortly after he was, so he was sentenced or found guilty of second degree murder back in December, on December 21st, on January 7th, his mom committed suicide. Oh, gosh. And 11 days later, his dad died from stomach cancer. My goodness. So it's like he lost both his parents. But who took care of the kid? I don't know. Hmm. It's just a really sad story. Yeah. Because I, after reading it, I really think that he was innocent. Okay. Boydston, hit us. Well, um, we're not going far. (laughs) We were way too close for comfort. (laughs) Not only were we in. You guys almost did a joint episode. Not only were we in the same state, we were in the same town. Is this your foot that I'm touching? (laughs) No, it's the Jayhawk pillow. I can't tell. It's just my my toes. Does the Jayhawk pillow feel like a foot? I guess. I like how she kept touching it, thinking it was my foot still. I just (laughs) scooched it far off. Okay, ready. So not even the same state, but the same town, even. I did an unsolved, and I know you don't do unsolved. (sighs) I skip over them every time. This is actually an unsolved. (gasps) Is it? Oh my gosh, we were such on the same page. Um, no, here's what happened. I said, I'm going to Ohio. Can I not choose the same state? (laughs) Not without like being like, okay, but maybe what year is it in? She clearly Sorry, doesn't have the same level of anxiety that we do. <laughs> she wanted to like, eh, figure it out. She wanted to do, she wanted a repeat of the Ouija board. She wanted to be like, I'm going to do the same thing so that Sarah and I can have I can't wait to do a joint episode. How many times Impromptu. have you not told us what you were even doing? You're like, it's just a surprise. But I gathered what you guys were doing. No. I still. I don't know. But still I don't what? Know. 
Yeah, go ahead. I'm just saying, but still, you have done a surprise and it could have been one of ours for all you know. For all we know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're doing. That's the point. Listen, I think it was an accident. Uh, but it was a happy accident. You guys ended up in different <laughs> it was a cases. Happy accident. <laughs> well, here we are. And she's going to be mad at me for a week, okay? Nobody's mad. <laughs> Tell us the story. I cannot wait to Lindsay, hear it. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Oh, oh my gosh. This is the story of my life. It's okay. <laughs> okay, Dad. Mm-hmm. All right, so. Yeah. Time for therapy again. <laughs> oh, boy. Let's hope he doesn't listen to this. No. <laughs> On Friday, October 27th, 1989, a year that's special to Lindsay and I. It is siblings it's the year we were born sarah <laughs> sorry confused look Lindsay and i met in 1989 <laughs> we've been on. friends our whole lives <laughs> was, it, was it that late in the 80s 89 yes i thought it was like 85 still oh, technically no. 80s babies though yeah barely it was I... september 89 so <laughs> right on the end yeah 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 i was in second grade that's okay it's great <laughs> Everything's fine. Everything's fine. So 89th, siblings Jason and Amy Mihalovic had a seemingly normal day of school. A police officer came to the school to have the stranger danger talk with Amy's class. But other than that, it was business as usual. The kids' routine was to call their mother, Margaret, after school to let her know that they were okay. So Jason called around 310 and tells their mom that Amy's not home yet. But it's not totally abnormal. Sometimes she stops at a friend's house, but she would always call. And luckily, at 3.30, Amy calls Margaret and tells her that everything's fine. So she assumes that Amy's at home and that she's she's good, everybody's safe. However, they're not. A man reached Amy by phone a few days earlier and arranged to meet with her to take her to get her mom a gift for being promoted at work. So this was planned. Like, Amy told her friends about it. Um, She was going to meet him at an ice cream store near the strip mall before they would head out to search for gifts. You sound like me. You okay? I cleared my throat and then my back spasmed. I'm getting old. I swear to God. I was born in 89, you know? (laughs) Fuck you. I have some new gray hairs to pull out for you, Sarah. Fuck you, (laughs) But no bald spot yet. That's just me. I'll leave that for the conference room. Perfect. <laughs> this is business, guys. <laughs> Brad and my, my bald spot for the business conference. Yeah, business in the back is yes. what you had. Just flatten it out. <laughs> it looked real cute up here. All right. I just keep imagining it. It's really it. accurate, actually. I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> okay. It's flat and separated. All right. I'm going to keep laughing. Continue. Uh, Amy's mom later came home and found that Amy wasn't there, that she had never come home from school. Margaret called all of Amy's friends, family, retraced the route to school where her bike was still on the rack. And by 6 p.m., Amy was reported missing. So Amy was kidnapped from Bay Square Shopping Center in, sounds familiar, Bay Village, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cleveland. A few witnesses reported seeing her get into a vehicle with a man. She was missing for almost three and a half months Mm. when a jogger found her body in a field just off a rural county road, 50 miles from the abduction site. Did they say how old? She was. Did I not hear it in the beginning? You know, I didn't say. She's 10. Okay. Oh. I was imagining elementary school. I just wasn't sure. The ripe age of 10. It's terrible. Yeah. Evidence suggested that her body was probably dumped there soon after her abduction, but several locals said that they recently had been to or near that area and they never saw anything there. She had been stabbed twice in the neck, beaten over the head with a blunt object, and sexually assaulted. The killer had taken several souvenirs. Amy's horse riding boots, her backpack and binder, and turquoise earrings shaped like horse heads. Because riding horses and horses in general were her favorite thing. It's awful. Also awful is the fact that this case is unsolved. No one has been held accountable for her death. There have been a few suspects over the years, though, but since no one has been charged, 
I won't be naming names because I listen. I got this story. I've heard about it before. Um, this isn't a new story to me, but I recently listened to a podcast called Amy Should Be 40. And it came uh-huh. out 30 years after her disappearance and she should have been 40. Mm-hmm. And it... um. It went over the details of the case, and they went over some sus- suspects, but they also said nobody's been charged. We're just going to leave it at that. So I'm just following their lead, and I won't name names either. But strangely, it was later revealed that in the weeks before Amy's abduction, several other young girls had received similar phone calls from a man claiming that he worked with the girl's mothers and wanted help buying a present to celebrate her recent promotion. So, a similar story. Mm -hmm. Some of them even had unlisted phone numbers back when that was still a real thing. Mm -hmm. They couldn't really figure out how he was getting even their phone numbers. But these girls, including Amy, all had one thing in common. They had all visited Lake Erie Nature and Science Center, which had a visitor's logbook by the front door. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that these girls could have written their personal information in the book, giving unknown male access. Another theory is that someone close to Amy's family or possibly someone who had done projects in their home is to blame. Yeah. And there's also a recent suspect, which is probably the most compelling. In 2020, a man was implicated by a former girlfriend. Uh-oh. She alleged that he was uncharacteristically absent from their home, which happened to be close to the abduction site, when Amy first disappeared. During police interviews with the man, he allegedly made statements about possibly having met Amy's mom before. Two of the witnesses say, um, who saw Amy get into the car with the man uh, identified this potential suspect during lineups. And the vehicle is consistent with what this man drove at the time, including even the color of the carpeting. And this vehicle with that same make and model was observed near the site where Amy's body was found the same day it was found. Mm-hmm. Also, he followed a polygraph test. Failed. Failed. He failed a polygraph test. They collected DNA. They obtained a search warrant for a storage facility, which led authorities to confiscate Certain items of interest, Uh but really only time's going to tell on this one. A little interesting piece of information is that three hairs were found with Amy. One found on her body, one found on her sweatpants, and one in her underwear. No. All from different people. Meaning they could have been picked up in transit in the car, or maybe three different people were participating in the crime. But the hair found on her sweatpants contains a particular subgroup seen in populations who have a higher risk for developing schizophrenia or major depressive disorders, which I didn't know you could find out from hair, but apparently you can. I I did not that either. (laughs) Um, And of course, this fits the bill for the type of person who might do this type of crime. So the issue is that this DNA Uh um, that they're able to obtain from the hair samples is so degraded that a full profile isn't possible to recover using today's technology. For more information, a Reddit user explained it. Like, if you had a DNA profile and it's supposed to be a thousand rung ladder, this profile is of five rungs. Like so it's that damaged? Yeah. And... Just because it wasn't preserved well, or...? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So there are also questions of... Not really questions, but the issue is that... How we found, like, the Golden State Killer was nuclear DNA. Right. And this DNA is different. It's mitochondrial DNA, and the technology is not there to make these matches um, from, like, family members with mitochondrial DNA. You have to have the person right there so you can directly match it to your sample. Unfortunately, we don't know. never found whoever this guy is who's making calls. They don't know who that is. No, so that was stemming from a guy that worked at the the nature center, um, but it sounds like he was kind of more of a creep than anything else. But did he actually pick her up that day, or they don't know? They don't. They don't know. Mm-hmm. If they knew who picked her up, they would know who killed her. Yeah. Sadly, her mom and dad later got a divorce, and they had a a plot together um, to be buried. They had burial plans. But Amy was 
buried in one side of the plot and then um her mom actually died of they say complications from lupus but really they say a broken heart and so they were buried next to each other i know it's so so sad sad. very sad sad. did they say how she died yeah she she was stabbed twice in the neck beaten over the head with a blunt object and then also also sexually abused that's terrible Poor baby. I know. I agree. That's, that's Amy's story. Amy should be 42. 40. Aww, 41 yep. or 42. Yeah. But it was a good podcast. They revisited with Amy's best friend who was able to kind of keep Amy's story alive, what her, what her dreams were and what she liked to do. They visited with the family that's still remaining, um, some of the detectives that were on the case. So the police officer that spoke at the school the day she went missing mm-hmm. about Stranger Danger, he actually was um, assigned to the case as a investigator. Oh, wow. So he had seen her, and then she went missing. But it was, it was a really good podcast. I recommend it. I hadn't heard of that one. Thanks for that. Yeah. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to our true crime episode. You can always catch us at thetipsyghost.com or send us an email at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star rating and a great review on anywhere, Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Stitcher, Spotify. All the things. You choose. All the places. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We will catch you guys next week. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.